a Broadway legend, Bill Irwin, is coming to Savannah. He will star in a new show titled On Beckett that is going to be put on by the Savannah Repertory Theater from May the 12th through May the 15th and performed at the Savannah Cultural Arts Center. The Repertory Theater's executive director, Ryan McCurdy, previews On Beckett and talks about the need for more community support in developing performance venues in Savannah on this edition of The Commute Podcast. savannahnow.com. This is the Commute Podcast presented by National Office Systems. I'm Adam Van Brimmer, the opinion editor at Savannah Morning News and the host of this twice-weekly podcast focused on news and happenings in and around Savannah. Today is Thursday, May the 5th. My colleagues, Zach Dennis and Nancy Guan, handle the interviewing duties today. Zach is up first with the Savannah Repertory Theater's Ryan McCurdy. Later, Nancy will talk to U.S. economy with author and internationally respected demographer Ken Grombach who is a keynote speaker at the annual World Trade Center Savannah Luncheon held earlier this week. But first, let's pay the bills. That means the promo read for this podcast presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Here at the Savannah Morning News, we are in the midst of planning some changes to our office spaces. We need to reconfigure a little bit, make better use of our space. And as the clients of Savannah's premier office design and outfitter, National Office Systems, I have no doubt that the overhaul will ensure our environment remains comfortable and productive. National Office Systems works with Savannah's own dirt modular interiors on layouts and partners with two of the most iconic brands in office furniture, Herman Miller and now, more recently, Knoll whose products just recently became available. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys, that's www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's Zach Dennis with Ryan McCurdy. Joining us today on the Thursday episode of the Commute Podcast is Ryan McCurdy. He is the Executive director? Executive, executive director of the Savannah Repertory Theater. Uh, you all have your first kind of big show and honestly a, a pretty a pretty groundbreaking show for Savannah in general kicking off uh, this next weekend. It's the the and I'm gonna get the dates wrong, but it's the 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th. You got the dates right. All right. Um, at the Cultural Arts Center on Beckett uh, with Bill Irwin. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk, let's start with on Beckett. Um, like I said, I think this is a, at least for me personally, this is a big deal for Savannah. You have a incredibly established Broadway, New York actor, film, television, et cetera, coming to Savannah to put on this one, uh, this one man show. Um, I guess, tell us a little bit about the show, but I know it's been something that he's been performing in New York since as I think 2018 or so. Um, kind of what, what about the show was like, we need to bring this to Savannah and show Savannah's audience this. Well, I think, and it's funny, not knowing what my title is, is something that I have, I'm still learning what my title is because I I'm, I'm the executive director of a theater company that has not produced a main stage show Mm -hmm. in my entire tenure of almost two years. And that's because, you know, it's just, it's taken a long time to get our wheels rolling again, post COVID. Um, but the, the founding mission of Savannah rep was to put extraordinary actors at the center of incredible playwrights. I mean, as every theater company wants to have that Mm -hmm. be their goal. And so when we were thinking about how do we come back from the pandemic, we have one shot to say we're back, we're going to stay. What is the show that does that? We wanted equal parts comedy and drama, because I think the last two years have taught us that we've had to have a pretty good sense of humor to get through this, you know, the abject tragedy of a lot of people's lives this last couple of years. And so it was like, well, what if, what if we had a, a comedic actor doing dramatic work 
because that's got that's got to work and that mm-hmm. feels like what covid was for us it's 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 little bits of levity in the middle of this this morass and i had seen uh, a member of our board and i had seen bill do this show live just before the pandemic before we knew that this was all about to happen mm-hmm. we saw it in uh los angeles at the mm-hmm. kirk douglas and i remember like i wrote it must bring this to savannah and then forgot about it because we went into a pandemic sure uh coming out of the pandemic it just lined up i I wrote bill and i said is the show going out he says it just so happens it's going to start a national tour do you want to be the first place that gets it and i said i well we have to be and Mm -hmm. that's kind of the roundabout way we've ended up with this really cool show and tell me a little bit about the show it's it's it seems from from reading just reviews and other writings about it from new york that it's kind of bill not even interpreting Samuel Beckett mm-hmm. to a degree, but also just kind of it seems like reckoning with it, playing with the language. To me, the, the thing that sounded interesting about it is it's like this, you have this writer who's so well known for the style in which he writes mm-hmm. and people are so familiar with it. How can we, at least for him, like, how can I reckon with it on a stage? I mean, for you mm-hmm. seeing that performance, what about it strikes you? Well, it's because I, I mean, Bill has always been a huge inspiration to me. And he's, you know, he's a graduate of Ringland Brothers Barnum and Bailey Clown School. He's an original member of the Pickle Family Circus in California as a clown. He he is he is probably America's greatest living clown. And he is obsessed with this material. You know, he's like mm-hmm. contemporary of Robin Williams and Steve Martin and all of these incredible comedians and clowns. And he is obsessed with what this one Irish writer was trying to say about the nihilism but the joy of life and like Mm -hmm. and he's so this this entire piece is like a deep dive into how does a clown interpret this darkness Mm -hmm. and 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 how do we take these words out of the somewhat monotone or depressive way in which i think over the years people have become accustomed to speak them Mm -hmm. and what happens if you bring them levity and comedy and voice and and nuance and it's mm-hmm. it's really incredible it is it is beckett through a very singular lens which means you're never going to see beckett like this mm-hmm. anywhere else uh, and that was when i was sitting there in california i was just like it's this juxtaposition of this tragedy and comedy and it's literally the theater masks it's those two theater masks in one performance mm-hmm. which i love and you're going to be at the cultural arts center. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a space that I've seen utilized for, I've seen ba- a ballet there. I've seen movie screens there. I saw a really uh, fascinating uh, musical performance there recently. Um, it started to do a lot of like spoken word. I mean, mm-hmm. looking at that space with the material that Bill's bringing, um, what have y'all seen in terms of utilizing the cultural arts center and what it has in the, in the Ben Tucker theater? Well, we love the Ben Tucker Theater. We love um, love our relationship with uh, David and the whole team there. Uh, but I'll I'll also be honest that the uh, we are we are straining at the edges of this space with this show, and I think that that opens up a bigger conversation that the theater has been having for years. And I know that the community is 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 coming to grips with, especially with the Mercer conversation on the table. Is I think uh, a lot of what has happened in the city over the last twenty years is we have been. Uh, we have been opening venues for the community instead of talking to the community about what they need from a venue. And I think mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, the Ben Tucker is, which is an, uh, can be a very versatile space in its attempt to be for everyone 
there are a lot of ways in which it is for no one. Mm-hmm. Um, this show actually kind of plays into that because the proscenium is very tight. The curtains come right up to the edge. And this show really is Bill uh, communicating and communing with his audience. Mm-hmm. So we are enjoying finding that uh, that use of the space to really put the audience right on top of Bill. And, and uh, there's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to escape. He's trapped in the words while he's on stage. And that's super cool. Um, but it has opened up a larger conversation for us as a company about um, what we need spaces to do in the future. Because this is a show coming down uh, with its entire team from New York. It's, mm-hmm. And we, Savannah Rep is the producer, uh, the presenter more than we are the producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been very interesting to have this team of seven people who have never, you know, interacted with Savannah, the performing arts here. It's a very non-biased look at what the strengths and weaknesses of the city are. And we're learning quite a bit, just trying to get a show open about, uh, what the city still needs to do better with and what we are already, you know, sailing through. Yeah. And that's definitely something I, I want to circle back around on before, before we jump into that and, and talk a little bit about what Savannah mm-hmm. reps doing. I do, uh, real quick plug for tickets. Like I said, the 12th through the 15th, um, I'm going to let you plug tickets. <laughs> I would love to plug tickets. Savannahrep.org. The button is right there at the top. Um, he's only going to be here. Those four performances. Uh, he's headed off to uh, the old globe in California a couple weeks after that. So we don't, we only get him for a minute. I think this is going to be a water cooler uh, show the following Monday where did you get to see that? Did you get to see that? Don't be someone that didn't. Uh, that's all I can say. Yeah. And I, and I, and this is me, this is, this is solely my editorializing, but I think that it is important to, to support this stuff because whether you go and you like it or not, we want to see, as you're describing, we want to see more things pushing the boundaries in these spaces. You know, we have so many, we have so many places that are being utilized in different fashions, specifically city owned spaces that I feel like we kind of have the, the, the usual suspects are Mm -hmm. playing in there. Um, And I think that what I'm excited about with this and what I'm putting my dollars toward when I buy a ticket is I want to see more, I want to see more, buttons being pushed. Like we really need to push, push the limits because yeah, if we're going to be, if we're going to call ourselves an arts destination, whether that's visual arts or theater or music or film, like Mm -hmm. whatever, we have to push the limits and do stuff like this to, to elevate ourselves. And we, I hear, I hear as frequently, I hear this is not a theater town or I hear this is a music town, but not a theater town, or this isn't a music town. Like I hear, I hear everyone has a different opinion. And, and then there are the people who are like, this is a music town and this is a theater town. And the irony is in a lot of cases, it's the people saying this, this is not that are the people buying the tickets. And it's the people saying, this is a music destination. This is a theater destination who are not buying tickets. Mm-hmm. And in a lot, in a lot of ways, you have to show up for what you say you believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are, uh, the other thing too, is uh, this community is obsessed with having a cultural identity that is not scat. Which is fine. I'm a I'm a SCAD alum, and I and I and I and I I respect the college. I think they've done it. it they have they have made this city something really incredible mm-hmm. in in their contributions. Um, but by the same token, if you want to have a cultural life to the city that is not SCAD bringing new culture, yeah, you have to support the culture that is not SCAD. Mm-hmm. And there are so many companies working so hard. And I still feel like every time a company folds or a venue folds, we still, we, we all have this, this knee jerk reaction of, oh no, 
uh, they, that company couldn't keep it up or that person ran out of energy. And mm. it sh- that should not be the conversation. The conversation should be, we should be fighting for these things. We shouldn't just, oh, well, I guess I don't get to go anymore. Like, we should be fighting for the things we say we want. And the community on a whole, I think, is still waking up to that. But numbers are soft post-pandemic. And it's like, I know inflation. I know disposable income. I know you have to be mm. very protective. But you've got these big organizations like the Philharmonic who just announced this incredible season mm. that takes music back to the community. Mm-hmm. And what Savannah Rep is intending to do by being in the Ben Tucker Theater is bringing theater to the community. Mm-hmm. And people got to show up. And I mean, I understand the idea that if a, if a classical music or theater or something gets trapped inside of a gilded cage behind gatekeepers and in, and in a venue that seems inaccessible, you're never going to broaden your, your community. Mm-hmm. But there are, there are so many groups in this city trying mm-hmm. and we need help. So that's, yeah, that's kind of my... No, and I agree. I think, you know, it's it's easy to to get on a podium and say, we you know, we need this and we need mm-hmm. that and we need the other. But I think at the end of the day, you have to show up like for, for transparency purposes. I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to go on Thursday night and review on Beckett for Savannah Morning News. Mm-hmm. I paid for a ticket. Yeah, because, you did. I saw it come in because I'm because, you know, I'm going to pay for I, I don't need a, a, you know, a press handout or what I want to. I, I This is my support for the arts, because the only way, unfortunately, money makes the world go around mm-hmm. and we have to put our money where our mouths are. So if, if we want to support this kind of stuff again, go whether you like it or not, you know, at the end of the, at the, at the end, that doesn't matter. This is, this is stuff that's pushing the boundaries. This is stuff that is establishing Savannah as a destination Mm -hmm. for theater or music or arts or whatever. And you have to kind of have that variety. And I think that sometimes we, we don't put, at least in my opinion, we don't put our, our money where our mouths is with, with this type of, uh, with this type of, of performance and with this type of, uh, uh, just kind of entertainment in general. I got a call from someone who's a great friend of the theater and and said, I just saw the Bill Irwin announcement. I said, you, you can't possibly be bringing Bill Irwin to Savannah. I love him. I'm like, well, we are. Mm-hmm. And then they said, oh, I'm very busy that week and it's a shame I'm going to miss it. Okay, well, that's the... That's that's the push pull. Mm-hmm. You you can't ask for things and you can't desire things that you have no intention of supporting. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's circle back a little bit to to performance venues because mm-hmm. that's been something that's been top of mind for me and something that we've talked about on um, in Do Savannah as well as the Arts and Culture page mm-hmm. is what is you know uh, Rob Hessler, our arts writer, is constantly kind of we, he and I have had discussions about Savannah wants to call itself an arts destination, but are we? are we living up to that? And I think on the angle of performance venues, um, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of an interesting terrain. You have, um, you have the Kessler district live, things like that, Mm -hmm. um, on river street, which are nice venues, but I mean, those are, those are run through live nation. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, through the Kessler foundation, that's fine. You have the Lucas theater, the trustees theater through SCAD, they run their stuff. They have good programming there, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they're running the they're running the show there. You have the in market arena now. It's gonna it's going through Live Nation. It has these bigger mm-hmm. arena shows. Um, I'm gonna go see Cirque du Soleil later today, like that kind of stuff, um, which is fine. But it, when it comes to kind of like the that mid level venue, mm-hmm. we have the Victory Norths. We have things like that, but it seems like at the same time, we have a dearth when it comes to community community funded community focused performances in kind of a space like we're talking about with the Ben Tucker theater mm-hmm. or something like that. I mean, what is, what is your, what is your read on, on performance venues of that, of that ilk in Savannah? I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is, I think the biggest problem is this continuing intention of 
building a space before having a discussion with the community leaders. Mm -hmm. Like we don't have an arts and science council, but I'm a member of eight different splinter organizations that are all supposed to be arts leaders getting together and talking, which is great. And everyone involved is incredibly focused on it. But then we get together and we go, oh, it's the same six people at every meeting led by a different person. Mm -hmm. And and no one is talking to the city and the city's not talking to us. There's no, there's no arts council. And as a result, you end up with a space like Victory North, which Victory North was you know, it's intended to be a crossover theater venue. Yeah. But but when we went in there and, and did our gala, which which went remarkably well, and mm-hmm. their in-house team is exceptional, but we bumped in to all of the things that had been uh uh all, all the all the corners that had been cut to make it into a wedding venue. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, well, if it was supposed to be a theater venue, we needed to be part of the conversation. We would have told you the 10 things we would have loved to have had in there that would have saved us. The trouble. I mean, the gala we pulled off within an inch of its life mm-hmm. um, and would not have been able to without the team there. But part of the problem is these spaces are not ready for what we need them to be. Mm-hmm. So part of it, too, is that people keep opening spaces and saying, I solved the problem. And I think that's kind of what I'm seeing a lot of. It's like, well, do do the Peace Center in Greenville or do the Galliard in uh, Charleston. Do that here. And it solves the problem. But what problem does it solve? It, we have a glittering jewel box of a theater that is the city's theater. Mm-hmm. But then no one. No one asked Savannah Rep how we could fill it, or no one asked Savannah Stage how we could fill it. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, we need very specific things, and we can't do other things. And that's the thing. The community has to, we need to be talking to the people that do this from a production level of, with our venues. Because right now, I think we're massively, we're massively overstocked and undervalued. We have too many venues that don't accomplish the things we need them to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that leads into what you all are are, are building or trying to build in, on Broughton Street. Mm. But I think also one of the, the conversations I see people having is, well, there's just there's no venues. There's no there's just not any venues left. You know, I, I, we had the whole art house movie uh, cinema mm-hmm. series and the thing that kind of prevailing thought for a lot of people was that sounds great. But like, where are you going to do that? Like, mm-hmm. there's just no place where you could do that. And to me, at least personally, I think that there are there is space that you can do it but you have to, we have to be the the actors of change in that we can't just wait for somebody to come around and build that we have to kind of put our foot forward and do that and it seems like that's what you all are doing on broad street with savannah rep well that's that's the intention and you know when when i opened the freight station with my uh with sasha travis and which then uh jen he susie ran took over and turned into muse arts warehouse mm-hmm. you know that that evolution of that space was very uh was a big eye opener for me because Sasha and I ran that space for, you know, three, about maybe four, four and a half years. And uh, we were running it as, you know, a, a, a theater company's venue that it could occasionally do rentals. And when mm-hmm. Jen, he took it over, she's like, I don't, the radical concept was, I don't want to have a production company. I want to have a venue mm-hmm. and everyone else comes. And of course it, it it's, it, it opened so many eyes. It changed so many lives. I mean, there's something to be said that when she had the closing party for Muse, that there 195 people showed up. Mm-hmm. And that that final group photo is astonishing because it's all people that benefited from that space. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's about, that's a little bit of what we're trying to do on Broughton Street is have a space that is not so we don't tie up so much that we can't share it with the community. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing too is what Jen Hisusi Rand did with Muse Arts Warehouse is the city's responsibility, and mm-hmm. she did it. She did it out of the love in her heart. Mm-hmm. But that is the city's responsibility, um, and that is what the Ben Tucker 
uh, can be for some people, but at the point at the moment, it's for a lot of people, it's financially out of reach in a way that Muse wasn't. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, uh, when you do rent it, we're finding with on Beckett that you know um, the show's going to look amazing, and I'm, I'm I'm excited as heck. But um, we're learning all the ways in which corners were cut for theater there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that ultimately falls on the city's, uh, uh, the city's plan and the splost and how that, how that grand vision compartmentalizing, compartmentalizing, compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you did not have people like David Higdon, who are desperate to make that space bigger than yeah. the sum of its parts, that space would have sat empty since day one. It's, yeah. it's only because of the advocates. And part of that is too, it's like, and it's hard to pin the blame on that. And I'm not interested in throwing people under the train. The, the truth is we opened a space that was supposed to set us apart. We opened the Ben Tucker theater. It was supposed to make us a competitive arts destination sure. and it does not work. Yeah. What do we do now? No, exactly. And I, and I agree with your point that, you know, I, I don't think, I think from, from Stuart Miller to David Higdon to mm-hmm. the you know, you have so many wonderful people working in there. Absolutely. I, I, I would, I would also mention Antonia Larkin, who's mm-hmm. curating the, the gallery there. Like they're doing some incredible work, but yeah, you have to have that at the very top, those, those people making the calls from city council to mm-hmm. the mayor, they also like, they have to also show their investment. And I know that leading into that um, election mm-hmm. that they showed, you know, through surveys and other ways that they supported the arts. And I think we're getting to a point now where they have to back that up because um, again, like if we're going to be an arts destination and we're going to, you know, bring people to Savannah to see performances, see festivals, see our Philharmonic. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to like have the space to utilize that to the hundred percent. Absolutely. And people, and, and people have to come to the, see the work and it needs to be, I can reach out. You know, that's the thing. The donors know who they are. That's, you know, everyone, everyone wants the community to expand. And we, we give out, we give out blocks of tickets to community organizations and say, we want people that have never stepped foot in a theater. Mm-hmm. That is essential to us. We want, but and the, but the truth is, we all know who the donors are, and the donors have to put their money where their mouth is because if they say that they want complete community access, mm-hmm. it must be community access. It must be subsidized by something, mm-hmm. um, and that's just where we are. Yeah, must be. It must be subsidized by something. Yeah. Well, hopefully this is, uh, you know, just continuing the conversation in a way that like, let's continue to further Mm -hmm. this and and get more voices involved. Um, Again, one more plug for on Beckett, the 12th or the 15th, uh, savannahrep.org. That's it. So put your money where your mouth is and get a ticket. (laughs) Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Ryan, thank you. Adam back here again. Thanks one more time to Ryan McCurdy. It sure sounds like the Savannah Repertory Theater has a very bright future. Before we shift gears from the arts to the economy, let's talk briefly about, well, sports. More specifically, the upcoming Coastal Empire High School Sports Awards. Presented by the Georgia Ports and sponsored by Chatham Orthopedics Associates, the awards show returns to an in-person format this year after two years of virtual shows due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The Best of Preps is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. on Monday, June the 10th at the Johnny Mercer Theater. Atlanta Braves great Andrew Jones will be the keynote speaker. You can come help us celebrate our local student athletes by purchasing tickets at sportsawards.usatoday.com slash Coastal Empire. One more time, that's sportsawards.usatoday.com slash Coastal Empire. You can also go to savannahnow.com 
click on the, the tab that will take you to the sports page, so savannahnow.com slash sports, and you'll see the link where you can go ahead and, and click through and get those tickets. It's easier than trying to remember that very, very long URL. Anyway, uh, we're going to round out today's episode with an interview by Savannah Morning News reporter Nancy Guan that she had with Ken Grombach the keynote speaker at this week's World Trade Center Savannah Luncheon. Grombach predicts that the United States and the Americas will excel culturally and economically in the post-COVID era and well into this century. He's about to tell you why in this discussion. Here's Nancy and Ken Grombach. So, I mean, demography in a pinch. You said it's a 30,000-foot view of how demographics um, inform future economic trends. I'm not sure if I summarized that correctly, but in today's keynote, you portrayed the U.S. as being, you know, in a superior position demographically. Would you just mind explaining that reasoning behind that? Okay. The United States has a unique position because we had kids. Other countries around the world, especially countries in Europe, Eastern Europe, Asia, uh, Russia, you know, China, South Korea, did not have kids. We have a crop of kids. We have the largest crop of kids in the United States that we've ever had and a huge crop between the ages of 18 and 37 called Generation Y, born after 85. So what we have is we have future leaders, future consumers, future everybody, and we are, we're the envy of the rest of the world. Um, is demography really a, just that simple looking at population growth and birth rate? And that? Yeah, it is just that simple. It is, and that's why I refer to it as 35,000 feet and... and uh, uh, you know, simple, macro, long-term, it's big picture. And because if you look at the demography big picture, you can make forecasts about what's going to happen going forward. Um, I mean, during your speech, you also mentioned um, immigration and diversity. Why yeah. is that also important? Because it filled in the holes where we needed it. We have a generation that was born 1965 to 1984 that was diminutive. And without the Latinos that poured into the country as a result of the labor shortage to satisfy the baby boomers in this generation, we'd be, we'd be cooked going forward. We need them. We are a nation of diversity, and you are evidence of that. Um, and, I mean, how can we bring these big-picture kind of themes to a region like Savannah, Chatham County, or even Georgia? You, know? <laughs> you, you keep on publishing them. I, I tell you, it, it's, and I'll be straight with you, and this is between me and you. It doesn't mean, it's not off the record. People don't get it. People, people think if they look at a, a population of 100 million versus another population of 100 million, they're the same. No, they're not. They are not the same. You need to know how old they are, how sick they are, how, what kind of nutrition they get, what kind of health care they get. Who are they? Uh, and, and Vladimir Putin has found that out. Vladimir Putin has a country that cannot survive. It simply cannot survive going forward. So he thought he would annex more uh, young, healthy people. Pick the wrong country. What you've said, but um, I think people still think of demography as kind of a counterintuitive way of thinking. Um, See, I, for me, it's totally pragmatic. It, it is, it is not subjective. It is totally objective. So, yeah, I had I had an, an economist tell me at a cocktail party a couple of weeks ago that uh, demography was a subset of economics. It's not. No, no. It's the other way around. Economics is a subset of demographics. People came first. People invented money. Without people, you don't have anything. Um, I mean, just as a last thing, what can you say about, you know, Georgia's kind of demographics informing our future workforce? It's 
like you said, becoming almost a majority minority. Yeah, and that's fine. You're healthy. And, and you are a representative of what the United States is going to become, but you're going to be on the leading edge. So what could be better than that? Any last words? Yeah, I would encourage you to uh, cultivate your population here of African Americans. Cultivate your population of Asians. Very few, there aren't enough Asians here in, in Georgia. Cultivate, lose the whole um, anti-immigrant thing, totally. And lose lose the whole bigotry thing, and realize who you are because you're you're leading edge. I mean, Georgia is leading edge. It's a it's a wonderful state. All right, thank you so much. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, my pleasure. That's all for the Thursday Commute podcast. Thanks one last time to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Before I sign off, remember that we publish new commute episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Whatever your interests, you will find interviews of interest in our archives. If you missed the commute earlier this week, for example, you missed a wide-ranging discussion with the leader of Savannah's leading preservation organization, the Historic Savannah Foundation. Find that episode by searching The Commute with that Savannah opinion on your favorite podcast app. The Commute returns next Tuesday when we talk about the pending fire fee for property owners in unincorporated Chatham with Chatham Fire's Chuck Kearns. We will talk to you then. (laughs) 